I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. And, uh, t- t- it's going to be a, it's already tough on them and their whole family. Um, it, um, I can't think he, he can get out of it, though. It's too late. But um, pray for him today. Um, that Sister Marie is, is part of his family, and uh, I know how tough it is when you have to minister through pain. And uh, and we just pray for him this morning. Um, and Brother Krause isn't here this morning, and I don't have any other ministers. I I told the youth that I was going to come and talk to them for a while. And Brother Davis said, well, it's my first time in a while, and you're going to leave me on the platform by myself. See, I don't know who I can pick to come up here and sit. And uh, you're all right. Okay, well. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise as Brother Davis comes up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It, it has been a while. And uh, I'm grateful to be here this morning uh, while I speak. Uh, if you don't mind turning to Acts, the first chapter, and I'm going to start reading at the 21st verse. It's true this morning. Um, this morning is bittersweet for me. Um, a very, very dear friend and uh, somebody that I've spent the last 30 years with laughing and dealing with life issues um, has not passed but gone on to a better place. I'm reminded of the scripture that says, you know, you, you don't know the scripture. He was speaking, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees. He says, God's not the God of the dead, but God is the God of the living. She's living. She's laid down the mortality of this life, and she has moved on to another life, a better life. And though in this flesh we grieve, I grieve this morning. I'm also reminded that she's in the arms of a loving father who... uh, who is so so much more able to meet her needs in that in, in the next life? So I'm just uh, I'm going to try my best this morning. Reading out of Acts chapter one verse twenty one. Wherefore of these men, which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, one must be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Bersabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, Show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that they may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. If you'll put your Bibles down for a moment, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. The the time that we spend together, Lord, is so so short and so bittersweet. And and that we open up the Word of God, and Lord, uh, the time that we focus on you is so small. But yet, Lord, we come 
that we might feel your touch one more time. And Lord, I ask for your blessings upon this morning. I ask that God, that you would touch this congregation, that Lord, I may say something to them and that you would help me to say something to them, Lord, that would touch their hearts this morning. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us, Lord, in these hours and these days and these coming months. And we ask that God, that you would bless this time together in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning about he chose me. He chose me. We, we make choices all our lives. We're so, so accustomed to choosing so many different things in life. We choose the, we choose the color of our, our clothes. We choose now, I'm colorblind, and, and, and so I wear blue jeans. You can't go wrong wearing blue jeans. And then my socks, I wear black socks. You know, it don't, I don't have to worry about that. You know, but, but, you know, my wife, she's a little bit better than I am, and she's a little bit more color-coordinated. Color my daughter, you know, they got to have the right purse and the right shoes and the right, right clothing that all just kind of matches together. But we make choices. And in those choices, we, we, we make decisions that, oh, this will go with this and this will go with that. And, and we also make choices about the food we eat. And we make choices about all kinds of things. And yet when we make choices, sometimes our choices are not always the best. Choices to choose is sometimes one of the hardest things in the world to make a decision about in our day. To choose is, is to judge. Whether the issue that we're looking at is or is not or may or may not be worthy to be determined that it has any value in the moment of that decision. Okay, now let me say that again. To choose is to judge whether there is, in whatever issue you're trying to choose, whether it has merit or not to determine whether you should do it or not. To whether you should choose that right dress or that right food or that right car. You, you look at the value of that thing that you're choosing and say, do I want it or don't I? Choice. We're talking about choice this morning. He chose me. The scripture says that many are called, but few are chosen. To choose. To put value on that choice. God looked at each and every one of you and chose you. He put value on you and said you were worth the price that I am paid. You were worth what I did. You have value in the kingdom of God this morning. We live in a world that suffers from so, so much low self-esteem. If, if you were to talk to any number of people and they say, oh, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't stand before people and talk. I can't, I can't do this or do that. I, no, I'm, I'm not the guy. We, we have so many choices in life, but Jesus had one choice in life. He gave his all to choose you. 
God reached out for you and said you have value so much that God gave His only begotten Son. To choose is such an important issue. Have you ever been with a group of people and somebody asks the question and said, does anybody want to comment? Most people will not even answer. Most people will shy away from the answer. Maybe some may have an answer, but they won't give it because they feel so foolish that they would talk out in front of others that fear keeps them from speaking. Fear can be a very powerful tool for those who want to manipulate it to keep others bound in the situation they're in. But choosing is not always so grave. It must be without exaggeration that in the Bloomington area here that there must be at least 50 restaurants within the Bloomington proper. And can you imagine you're going down the road and your wife or your husband sitting next to you and they say, what do you want to eat? I don't know. You pick. And, and, and you just, there's 50 restaurants, and you still pick Bob Evans. I'm telling you what, we, we, go, we go through the same thing. We go through, oh, I don't know. And then you pick something, oh, I'm not in the mood for that. <laughs> but it all has to do with choices. Some good and some not so good. Baskin and Robbins opened up a new ice cream shop in Moscow. And it became a rousing success. And this is remarkable since in Moscow or in, in, in the Soviet Union, they really do produce near quality, new, uh, near world class qualities. But yet, yet, while the lines are not like that at McDonald's, Baskin and Robbins became so popular in Moscow on Arabot Street that it became one of the few bright spots in that depressing world. And you know why it was? It's because they had 31 flavors to choose from. They had 31 flavors, and it was different to them. They didn't know what to do with so many choices. And according to the article that I read, that uh, their favorite, it seems to be, is Rocky Road. In our scriptures this morning, the, the church leaders, the church leaders got together. The early church had hadn't even been formed yet, but the leadership was there. There was, they were in the upper room, and for some reason, there, I, I, I don't know why, but the scripture says there was 120 in that upper room. Before the, the Holy Ghost was ever poured out. And they were, Peter stands up and he, he's talking to the, to, to the group. And uh, he's making a choice. He said, you know, we can't leave just 11 people, 11 apostles. There, there's got to be 12. And, uh, and so he, he's, he's saying that, uh, you know, we, we got to fill this position. And, to be honest with you, when I when I, when I was before I started studying this, it, it I always thought that that Paul 
was the one that was, should have been the, the apostle that filled that position. But I don't think so anymore. You see, when you have strong leadership in a church, it's not so hard to make decisions. Because you know, you, you, you look at the man that's ahead of the, the post, or you look at the man that's in the pulpit, or you look at the man that, that's leading the group, and he's a strong leader, he's a strong man, he's a, he, he makes good decisions, he makes great decisions, uh, and in the stressful times, you're glad you're not him, and, and you, but you, if he makes those, when he makes his choices, you know how he thinks. And when you have a bad leader or a weak leader, you seem to have different people in the, the factions that break up into different uh, groups and all that does is create chaos. But you see, Peter, Peter wasn't just acting blind. He was, he was following the Lord's guidance. And since there are 12 thrones that are in the kingdom of heaven, there had to be a 12th apostle. And there's nothing in this passage that we read this morning that gives any indication that Peter was out of the will of God. You think that if Peter was doing something wrong in this early beginning of the church, that that God wouldn't uh, speak to somebody and, and God wouldn't send a message saying, no, don't do this. This is not where I want you to go. But from the very beginning of the church, they opened it up with prayer. And even in the scriptures that we read, it says they prayed before the Lord. Which ones to choose? Which one's going to fill Judas's place? Is it going to be Matthias or was it going to be Justice? And the lot fell on Matthias. The final preparations for the church Jesus took the time. To fill in the blanks. We, we, we forget this sometimes. Jesus is in the business in your life and in my life to fill in the blanks. You see, in your life and in my life, we have a lot of blank areas. We don't know what to do sometimes. We don't have the, all the answers sometimes. We don't know where to turn sometimes. We need to be like Peter and, and, and seek the Lord in prayer and try to find that answer. But Jesus does have the answer. We live in a world right now that does not have the answer and they're pushing and pushing and pushing in so many different directions that there's nothing but confusion. There's confusion in our government. There's confusion in our moral character in our country. There's confusion sometimes in our own personal lives on what to do. But I want to tell you this morning that the answer is Jesus. He will fill in the blank spots. And before he even established the church, he filled in the blank spot and there was a complete church that was started. There wasn't nothing missing. That's what we need to understand this morning. There's nothing missing in the church. There's nothing missing that, that, that you need today that you can't find in the church. It's all right here. We look for it in so many different areas. We think there are so many different places that I can turn for the answers. But the answer is still in the church. I want to tell you this morning. You're not missing. 
You're not missing anything in the church. You're not missing any part of your salvation. You're not missing any part of your redemption. You're not missing any part of the needs that you have. Jesus is here to fulfill all those needs. And that's why we stay in the church. Sister Bolt stayed in the church all her life. I'm not going to sit here and blow wind up your your, 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 your back and say that she had a great life or, or that she had no problems. She did. We all have problems. But she stayed in the church. And there's so many more who are staying in the church because the church has the answers. Jesus is the answer. And we need to keep looking for Jesus who is complete. He is the completion of all that I need in my life. Colossians 2 and 10 says, You are complete in Him which is the head of all principalities and powers. There's no more searching. There's no more searching. I don't have to go to some other place to find the answer to my problems. I don't have to go to some other place to find the answer to my redemption. I don't have to climb great heights. I don't have to swim across great oceans to find my redemption. Jesus has completed all that I need to make it into heaven. Sometimes we, 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 we walk in our day-to-day lives and we, we, we become involved in the mundane. We become involved in the, in, in, in the minutiae of life and we forget. There, there, there is hope in the church and there is hope in Jesus. He brought the hope that this is not the final place. This is not the final place that I am going to finish my race. There's another life coming. And I don't have to worry about getting through the door because He's already opened the door for us. I don't have to worry about getting up to heaven and say, oh, no, 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 no. You don't have it all. You didn't, you didn't fight 10,000 guys. You didn't, whatever. Jesus finished it. He was on the cross. He was on the cross. His last breath was, it is finished. I don't have to go anyplace else. I don't have to seek any other faith. I don't have to seek any other thing. I don't have to seek any other redemption. Jesus is my redemption. He is the hope of not this life, but the life that is to come. Because when, just like Sister Ball, when I close my eyes in death, whether it be sudden or whether it be uh, uh, through a long illness, however it comes, when I open up my eyes the next time, and I will, I want to see my Savior. I don't want to open up my eyes and find myself in hell. Sometimes we come to church and we forget. We we, we have forgotten why we even came to church in the first place. Sometimes we've been in church for so long that we don't remember our past life. You see, I, I, I didn't come to Jesus because I liked the church. I didn't like the building or 
I didn't come to seek Jesus because this is a great building. I didn't come to church or seek Jesus because everything was great in my life. Because you know why? Everything wasn't great in my life. I, I've, I've talked about my testimony before. I was, I was going down a pretty bad road. Drugs and alcohol. I didn't seek Jesus because the church has great potluck suppers. Although this church does put on some good food. I didn't seek Jesus because my life was full of sunshine and roses. It wasn't. I saw Jesus because I was making bad decisions. And in my early 20s, I recognized that I was going down in a very bad, bad road. And I had to make a change. You see, it took somebody in the church to reach out to me and say, hey, here, here's what you need to do to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. They gave me the answer that I needed. And Jesus filled all that emptiness in my life. You see, I, I was doing some very bad things and if, if I had kept my course, my life would be like the rest of my family. I could tell you today, my life isn't like the rest of my family. The rest of my family is not all of them, but they don't serve the Lord. And their lives are destroyed and their families are destroyed. And there's, uh, there's nothing but drama and turmoil in their lives. But you know what? I can't tell you the number of people. And I'm sure you can testify about this, Brother Hill. I, I can't tell you the number of people, just like my family, just like me, who came through the church doors. They were a mess. See, we forget that. We forget what kind of mess we were in. We forget sometimes all the bad decisions that we made. But I can tell you, I can stand here and tell you, and, and you've heard that so, so, so many testimonies of how Jesus, the, 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 these folks come in through the doors and they're high, or they're drunk, or they're, or, 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 or they're, or they're full of cancer, and they're full of something, or there's something horrible going on in their lives. And, and they come in the church and their lives are in turmoil. And, and you know what happens? One of the very first things that happens when you get into a sanctuary and you get into the praise and you get into the worship and you get in surrounded by other men and women of God, you know what happens? One of the first things that happens is there's a peace that settles in your heart. No, your troubles didn't go away, but, but for, for a little while during the service of all your struggles and of all the troubles that you have, there, there's a certain amount of God's peace in the house. Even this morning, it's here. There's God's peace in the house and God's love in the house. And that chases away some of the, 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 the pain and the hurt. But it doesn't solve it all because you haven't yet put it before the Lord. And so when, when, when a damaged man or a damaged woman, and I say damaged, what I'm talking about is they got issues, they got problems, they got all these things going on. They come down to an altar. 
They come down to an altar and they're drunk and they're hooked on drugs or they're hooked on something and they can't get away from the, the, the things going on in their lives. And they don't have, they use church as the last answer. And even though church may be the last answer in their lives, Jesus is still here. Jesus is still the answer and those people no, not a, I'm not going to sit here and say there's a, sometimes there is an instant deliverance. Sometimes some, some people come down here and I've seen healings. I've seen cancers healed. God does some mighty works, mighty things, and yet we fail to recognize them. And we fail to acknowledge that even in your life today, God is still providing the answers to your need. We, we are so focused on all the things around us that we, we fail to give the Lord the thanks that He deserves sometimes. We have forgotten. If you, I, I'm, just, I'm just finished reading in my, my, my daily devotions uh, the, 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 the Ezekiel and, and uh, uh, Daniel and Habakkuk. And, you know what? They all say the same thing. If you boil down to it, if you read through those scriptures, they all say the same thing. If you'll just return, turn to me, if you'll turn to me and repent and live righteous, I will bless you. God doesn't require a whole list of things. God requires that you come to him and let him change your life and walk according to his word. We, come, we hear it all the time. I'm sure you hear it all the time. Oh, the church is full of a lot of do's and don'ts. Do's and don'ts. Well, if I look at your life, and I look at my life without those rules, those do's and don'ts, we find that our lives are in, in turmoil. Through research psychology today, excuse me, I messed this up somewhere. Um... Oh, okay. Through research, Psychology Today also came to this conclusion. In 1981, this magazine conducted a survey of its readers to learn how people would resolve some typical moral dilemmas and what choices they would make in particular situations. The magazine received 24,100 completed questionnaires accompanied with over 4,000 letters, the largest number of received uh, surveys that they had ever received. And they tabulated the responses and then looked at how the choices people made were related to other character, characteristics such as age, sex, occupation, and religiousness. Psychology Today, the magazine, concluded that the most significant predictor of a person's moral behavior may be because of religious commitment. People who considered themselves to be very religious were least likely to report deceiving their friends, having extramarital affairs, cheating on their expense accounts, or even parking illegally. You see, they also did another survey, and Psychology Today found out that people who live religious lives live longer. Religious Americans who have reported to have a, are reported to have a robust immune system, lower blood pressure, better recovery times from operations, and although some kinds can be disputed, those who attended church provides more potential health advantages, including a promotion of healthier lifestyles, improved stress management, 
and better social support because they go to church. When you go to church, God takes care of you. When you go to church, you have better mental health. When you go to church, you have less blood pressure or lower blood pressure. When you go to church, you're not so susceptible to diseases. When you go to church, you're not going to be going out and having extramarital affairs. You're not going to want to. When you go to church, you're not going to cheat on your taxes. When you go to church, you're going to make right choices. When you go to church, you're going to decide that I better not park there because that's for somebody else. When you go to church, your life is just so much better off. Because you've chosen a better life. You've chosen that church and Jesus is the answer in your life. You know why I chose the Lord? You know why I chose to serve Jesus? Not just because of my bad decisions. Not just because my life was going... I want to be careful how I say this. My life was going to hell, but my life was going to hell. See, to me, hell is a real place. To me, an eternity in anguish is not really a choice. I can't think of one person that's in this room this this morning that wants to spend the rest of their eternity suffering pain and misery. Can you imagine what hell would be like in whatever form that it takes? You're sitting in hell and you're thinking about so-and-so came to me and talked to me about the Lord. Or I once sat upon a pew and heard the praises and felt the touch of the Lord and felt the calling of the Lord and I ignored it. Could you imagine the mental torment in your life, in your eternity, not not in this life, but in an eternity that will never end, can you imagine what it's like to know that you could have been in the presence of the Lord, but you chose hell? You know, the Scripture says that heaven is a gift. God gives it. But Scripture also says that we have to work our way into hell. We work to go to hell. Now, I'm not just saying that as an expletive to, to, just, to just crowd shock. No, hell is not, a, not just, a, just, just a, a, a profanity to me, what I'm saying. I, what I'm saying is hell is a real place that we're, we're going to have to choose. He chose me and he chose you not to go there. Yet some of us say, your choice of me is not good enough, so I'm not going to come no more. Now, I know I'm speaking to the, to, 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 to the choir this morning because you're all here. But I want to encourage you this morning that, to tell you that Jesus today in 2019 is still the answer. And He did redeem you from the, 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 the judgment that is already upon each and every man and woman. He's already redeemed you and gave you the chance not to go to hell but to go to heaven. Knowing that one day, like Sister Ball, I'm going to be surrounded by people who love me. Knowing that one day, the one who loved me most is going to wrap his arms around me 
and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into thy rest. I, I don't know of anybody. I don't know of anybody who, who wants to suffer. I don't know of anybody who wants to feel pain for an eternity. But yet in the choices that we make day to day, we choose who we serve. You see, in the, it's not enough just to be good. Your good deeds mean so very little in the eyes of God. The Scripture says that my righteousness is filthy rags. It doesn't matter what my righteousness is. It doesn't matter how good I have been. It doesn't make it. It, does, it doesn't reach the level of redemption. It doesn't matter how much money I give. My wallet's not full enough to satisfy. How much money is enough to buy my redemption? How much is enough to buy your soul out of hell? Some think that I can do it by good deeds. I don't have to sacrifice my children on an altar. I don't have to slay the life out of my, my son or my daughter to a false god like they did in the Old Testament to please their God. I don't have to do any obscure thing. I don't have to go out as some do today in their face and kill thousands of martyrs to try to please their God. I don't have to do anything, any of these things just to please Jesus. You see, when Noah came out of the ark and he offered up the sacrifice, the very first thing he did was he offered up the sacrifice. And God told him that the life was in the blood. The life was in the blood. Whether it was animal or man, life was in the blood. And so, because of my faith, I believe that what Jesus did when he died on the cross for me, paid the cost for my redemption. He paid my sin for my sin with his price, and that price was his life. It's easy to be indifferent in life these days, but when you're indifferent and you can't make a choice, you're just... Um, for lack of a better word, you're, uh, you're ambivalent. You don't care. But to be cold in the church, to be indifferent in the church, is to be spiritually cold. In Revelations 3 and 16, it says this, So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now is not the time to give up on the church. Now is not the time to quit. You see, though the world has turned its back on the church, it makes fun of the church, it makes fun of the church people. Wait till they go through their tragedies. Wait till they go, they go through their family struggles. You know who they turn to? You, the church. That's a fact. Pray for my 
aunt, pray for my cousin. Had a woman this week come to me and say, would you pray for... His name is Al. Al's mother has a growth on the back of her neck. And she's been falling a lot. And They're doing radiation treatments on it. They don't know if it's actually cancerous or not, but it doesn't matter. She came to me and said, would you pray for her? Would you help her? I said, I, I'll pray. You see, God, God reminds people that there is a church. There's a church that people can come to and still receive help. You're that help. You're that light. You're that hope to lead them to where they... God will not share His glory with anybody. And when we turn, when they turn to the church and, and, and they receive answers to their prayers, what is it? it's not you, it's not me. But it's what Jesus is doing for His glory. When He saved me, He didn't save me because I was worthy. It was for His glory. You see, you take a look at Abraham who gave up his all. He gave up a a, a city that had everything. And he left it all to follow God. You look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You look at Daniel. They were captives in a foreign land. And yet they still served the Lord and didn't bow to an idol. You look at the death and how many apostles and how many people of the early church. I don't know if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, but what the early church went through was horrific. They would take the animal skins and they would sew them on people. They would release the people and give them a chance to run. And then they would release dogs to go after them. Because they were Christians. People were burned alive at the stake. Nero took Christians and dipped them in oil. Tied them to lamp posts. Or tied them to posts. And set them on fire and let them burn all night long. The church still went forward. And this world is coming to an end. This world is coming to an end. And, and we can let the world blind our eyes. Or we can keep our eyes focused on the one who chose us. Don't let us become ambivalent to our world. Don't let us become so hard-hearted that we, the Lord can't touch us Don't let us become so cold in our spirits that the church is just another church service. I can't help but to, to, to remember at times how much He changed me. I can't help but remember sometimes That if the Lord hadn't changed my life, I wouldn't know His love. The church is not done. The church is not powerless. The church is not ineffective. The Lord hasn't quit reaching out to lost souls. You see, He chose me and He chose you. 
And His choices are not done yet. The door is not closed yet. There are still souls that need to be touched by your light. Because He chose you. Let me close. Let me show you some things before I close. To show you how close the world is coming to an end. The stage has been set by the global world order to take place. I know you've heard this before, but do you know that banks, I don't know if you have any dealings with large denominations, but banks are dumping big dollar bills. If you ever try to take out a large sum of money out of your bank account, and I'm talking about into the thousands, they're going to ask you, what are you going to do with this money? And why don't you use a, a credit or a, a, a cash transfer instead of carrying all this money? The banks are not keeping money anymore. They're slowly getting rid of your, your cash dollars. In Australia, in Australia, they are planning to ban cash tra- transactions by the year 2020. There is a global push right now to kill paper money in the name of safety, security, and financial inclusion. The days of being able to hold cash back in reserve for your emergencies, they're coming to an end. There's there's not going to be any more dealings under the table where you can work for 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 a hundred bucks to to go and do this and do this and do this, because there will not be any more cash that you will be able to give that have any value. Everybody will, will be forced to go electronic. Recently, and I don't I don't know if I said this. I, I've talked to a few people about this, but recently in my own company, they want to get rid of paper checks. A couple of weeks ago, they went through my company and they, they took a survey of how many people were still getting live checks and gave them a chance to switch over to, to electronic transfer. Boston Scientific right now, you don't get a paper check. They went all electronic. You may think that you got more time. You may think that, oh, there's always a tomorrow, but tomorrows are changing. With the, the ability to control what you do with your money, they can take and they can control what you buy. I don't know if you've been aware about it, or I know it's been in the news all over the place, but you know about Facebook, and you know about Twitter, and you know about all these other social media platforms that someone in some far across the country room is deciding that, Whatever you say on Facebook, whether it's hate speech or not. Well, lately what they've done, if they determine that what you have is hate speech, and you use Twitter or you use Facebook as a way to generate funds, they cancel the funds. They cancel the transaction so that you can't generate money on Facebook. Or they take your ad completely off. They're controlling how you make a living on those social platforms right now. 
Imagine what it's like. You go to Amazon.com and you buy something that may just be on the edge of what somebody considers acceptable. And though you have the electronic credit to buy what you have, they say, no, you can't have that. And they say, account denied. You think that can't happen? It's happening now. You see, in our culture, we have become so noticeably coarse in our language. We become so unloving in situations and so immoral in our lifestyles. You, you look at TV today and you look at movies today and it's, it's dark. It's profane. It's licentious. It's unclean. It's, it leaves a bad taste in your spirit. Even Walt Disney's has, has turned to the black side or the dark side. Doing more and more in the occult. We are in the last days. You see, Judgment Day is coming. The Lord is coming back. If you'll stand, I'm going to read two more scriptures, three more scriptures. And I'll be done. In Ezekiel twenty-five or twelve and twenty-five, it says this: "For I am the Lord; I will speak. The word that I shall speak shall come to pass, and it shall be no more prolonged. For in that in your day, O rebellious house, will I say the word, and will." Perform it, saith the Lord God. He was speaking to the, ch- the house of Israel who thought Judgment Day was never going to come. Who thought that all these guys who came around as prophets of the old, speaking of the, the destruction of, Jeru- of Jerusalem, would never happen. But the Lord said it will happen, and it did happen. But then you turn to, to the New Testament, and in Second Peter 3 and 4 it says... Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of of creation. Where is that promise? We've heard it. You've heard it. I've heard it. All, All the time. Jesus is coming back soon. Prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus is coming back. One day the rapture is going to happen. We're not Jesus, and thank God we're not. Because His promise is that one day He's going to bring this day to an end. One day, judgment day will come. But He chose you, and He chose me to take our life because there's somebody else He needs to choose. The door isn't closed yet. The time isn't over that God's still not working. And I thank God for that. I thank God that He he didn't close the end of time before I was saved. But you see, there's, there's so many more. There's so many more people that need to be saved, that need to hear about this, this, this salvation message so that He can choose them. Just like He chose you. Lord's not slack. 
He's want one more soul. He's want one more man, one more woman. Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He doesn't want a man. He doesn't want a woman that lives today to perish. Those who say that my destiny is dead is wrong. Those who say I can't be saved is wrong. Those who say that the church isn't for me are wrong. He's still reaching. He's still touching. He's still healing. He's still loving you and me. Because he doesn't wish anybody to perish. I don't know where your heart is at this morning. I don't know if you're indifferent to the presence of the Lord. I don't know if you're indifferent to the moving of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you're indifferent to whether you even come to church or not. I do know that God shows us gifts. That God shows us kindness to draw us into His house. To draw us into His love. To say, you got a better choice. And that's me. This morning, choose. Choose today. What you're going to do with your life. The things that I read this morning about the coming of the end of the age, those are minor there's, there's, there's so much more. There's so much more. I, I couldn't. I didn't have time. I was preparing this message, and I got a friend and call from my wife. But I can't tell you how short time is to prepare our hearts for that day, <laughs> because there's nothing going to be worse. That when the rapture of the church happens and you're sitting on a pew wondering what you did wrong. There's nothing worse than knowing you had a chance. And you said, I don't care. I'll do it tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know where your heart is this morning. But you have to choose. This altar is open. I just uh, I want you to know Jesus is still the answer to all your your concerns. Lord bless you.
One day, too, you may not wake up in this world, but in the world to come. The Lord reaches for all, but it's our choice to accept His arms. This morning, don't be afraid to accept the arms, the loving arms of Jesus. Lord bless you and you're dismissed.